Is the energy level high enough for you, Terry? Yes, we are out there. This is the RC Roundtable, a casual discussion about all aspects of flying model airplanes. Well, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the RC Roundtable, everyone. Lee, how you doing? I'm good. I'm good, good, good. All right. Terry. Yes, sir. You see all the snow they got up north? Uh, yeah, it's not here, though. That's way north. Yeah, but it will be. <laughs> like it a block. <laughs> I think we're supposed to get some snow here in Lubbock uh, next week sometime. Uh, so I'll let you know. Okay. <laughs> the only part of Texas that snows of any significant amount, right? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> all right, let's get it. Let's get it rolling. Okay, something a little different this time. I that popped up, and I thought it might be interesting to talk about briefly. Associated, yes, the company that makes RC cars has come up with a new Formula One. Uh, racing car and I just caught my eye and I thought well this is really interesting because well, Formula One is not new but I didn't really think it was all that popular and I immediately remembered some of the old Formula Ones that Tamiya used to make and uh, back in my early days of the, in the hobby they used to try racing them in a their own special class and I distinctly remember those things being not very easy to drive and <laughs> really a handful on a track and I thought it was curious that associated would come out with their own version which i do admit is actually really nice the chassis is beautiful on that thing and i didn't know it was still a thing uh, you guys have any input on that well is it a racing class now yeah apparently so based on instructions i, I admit my ignorance on all the rc class racing classes they have uh lately but uh apparently that is a, another class they advertise it as a uh, rapidly growing class so maybe it's there's better chassis on the on the market now for that kind of class because the video showed it running around pretty nicely actually. Yeah, that's interesting because when I was into car racing, RC car racing, back in the '90s, I did mostly off-road and maybe a little bit of on-road, but they didn't really try to emulate full-scale racing at all. And it seems like that's more of a thing now with the short-course trucks and the touring cars, and now maybe this F1 racing. So yeah, it looks pretty neat. And looking at the chassis, it seems very similar to the what we called pan cars back in the day. A solid rear axle, although it does have a differential, and uh, independent front suspension. It, very simple, but very lightweight and very fast, as long as you have a smooth track. Yeah, these are definitely on-road and, and very, very smooth track. Uh, but I think, uh, from what I saw, the chassis looks markedly improved from anything back in the you know, 90s, as far as the pan cars. Uh, in what oh, way? Well, um, it seems to be, dare I say, a little bit more complicated in the, as far as the construction, but it looks like there's better uh, tweaking of the chassis for suspension. And uh, the, the old pan cars are notoriously bad in their suspensions. Uh, this one looks like they made quite a bit of improvement on suspension and steering mechanism uh, in the way it's laid out. Uh, though the differential is not quite new. They've had differentials for a long time. Uh, it just looks like they've made... Uh, some really nice tweaks in engineering to the chassis, um, which is expected from Associated. They've been racing for a long, long time. Uh, so I think, um, don't know how easy it is to build, thinking about my old RC-10 days. <laughs> but uh, it, it certainly does look like a nice chassis. And I don't know if it's who other companies have cars in this particular class, but uh, it's nice to see a different class come up and it's more scale-like. Yeah, it's a neat-looking concept, and I guess if it takes off with this car, then others will follow suit. Yeah, well, I hope so. It'd be interesting to see where that goes. Uh, like I said, I remember the old Tamiya, uh, I guess they still make some of them, uh, Formula One-type cars, and they, they they tried making them a big thing, and they a few times I saw some races, but it never really caught on all that big, at least in my area, because uh, they were a handful to drive. This is not something the newbies would really take to too very well so I, I it's it's um uh, certainly a challenging class to drive hmm. and i noticed this one has rubber tires where all of the the pan car type things that i used to race had foam tires 
Very wide ones, too. Yeah, foam seem to be the main thing. So, I, uh, And I think maybe that's one reason why they're a little more difficult to drive because of the rubber tires. But I don't... That may be a class thing. You have to run rubbers, not foams. I, I don't know. If somebody does know, feel free to send us a message. <laughs> Tell us where we're wrong. Yeah. We're a little bit out of our comfort zone with RC cars in this sense, uh, since we haven't done it in so long. No, and I assume these are going to run brushless and LiPo power. And I remember back in the day with the cars running brush motors and NICADs, which still had a lot of power. Um, when you get one of these cars that's hooked up, it, it looks like it's defying physics when it goes around to turn and accelerates. <laughs> yeah. So I would be interested to see you know, how these new ones do with the extra power. Oh, well, hopefully uh, we'll catch on to some of the local tracks. Uh, I'll be sure. I did find a new hobby store. Well, it's not new, one I didn't know existed across town. And they had a couple of really big tracks. So next time I'm in the area, I may stop by and, and see what kind of racing stuff they're doing, if, they, if this is something that's also being raced there. Have you ever raced cars, Lee? Not raced. I was actually just typing this in. Um, I think it was Mike's Hobby Shop in Dallas. Is that right, Fitz? Do you remember? Had the, the indoor racetrack? Oh, yeah, 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 Mike's, yep. They had an imminent domain situation with the highway, so they lost it, but they had an indoor yeah. dirt track and an indoor carpet track. Yeah, yeah. So I had not raced there, but we went, stopped by just to, you know, go look at stuff, and, and that was really neat. Uh, yeah, that, that place carpet, was huge. Oof, man, those cars were fast. Yeah. Oh, yeah, the carpet cars are insane. Yeah. But going back to this car, <laughs> it reminded me of, like, the first F1 car I had, and it was from Radio Shack back in, like, 1974, and it must have, like, needed 10 D-cell batteries. <laughs> And it was probably, you know, three feet long, (laughs) you know, alkaline. It probably lasted me five minutes and then you you head into the dump. (laughs) Dad! Uh, And I remember (laughs) remember specifically these wheels, kind of like you were talking earlier, Terry, had uh, uh, rubber wheels. I just remember these wheels, they were huge rubber wheels. They didn't have foam inside them, so they were very squishy. Um, So I guess it helped, uh, you know, they just ran over rocks and bumps and just, but they, they held up pretty well. But I just remember that car. But going back to Associated, that was like the first RC car my dad ever bought. And it was, you know, you had to build it from the ground up. So it was, uh, it was a good RC car, 10? though. Uh, it was a, I don't remember. Um, was I mean, it an off-road we, car or on-road? Uh, it was a road car. Okay, so, so it, probably an RC12, even. I, I don't know, because, I mean, all I can remember is the, the cover we had on it. But it was a good car. And, you know, it was NICAD days. So it wasn't too bad. I think we got it up to 30 one time it was pretty quick <laughs> yeah that's nothing now but still I, I remember that car it was a lot of fun mm. good times uh, good times the memories yeah let's get back to planes or something that goes in the air all right how about the new inductor fpv from horizon are you talking drones maybe uh, where's that mute button oh. no i th- Lee, i think you would like this one <laughs> I, oh. I think your boys would like this one all right it's it's tiny. It's uh, I don't even know how big it is. It's is, is this something I'm going to step on probably. <laughs> around the house? <laughs> it'll fit in the palm of your hand. Uh, is this that little yellow one? Is that what the inductress? Yeah. Yes. Okay. They're saying what eighty millimeters. I That's saw a, a Horizon oh. Hobby video on uh, Instagram. They were posting some videos and they were like in a tent and they had like five of these things flying around people's heads and I swear I would have swatted at one if it had come by me, but they were really <laughs> just going right through the crowds. Uh, <laughs> well, that's the thing. That's the They're thing. Propell- okay. Well, the propellers are fully shrouded and these things weigh not much. I don't even know what they weigh. It's nothing. You wouldn't notice if it landed on you. So you're not going to hurt anybody or anything. 24 grams, less than an ounce. 20, that's less than an ounce. I know, but if one's flying at me <laughs> at full speed, the guy's going, hey, I'm going to scare this guy. I am literally going to swat it out of the sky. Well, okay. <laughs> There's got to sure. be at least one or two listeners out there that agree with me. You have a right to defend yourself. <laughs> so, anyway, for people who enjoy flying quads. <laughs> oh, I'm out. <laughs> this is fun because even in my house, you guys haven't seen my house, but it's not huge. There's a little racetrack there that goes through the kitchen and the living room, and it's perfect for this. You can put on the headset or even a monitor and just go through top speed and bounce off of stuff, go under chairs, whatever. It doesn't matter. And it yeah. doesn't matter if there's sunlight outside or if the wind's whipping. 
just go do it. Yeah, they're primarily designed for indoors, and so they, they seem to be catching on. I, even I have a, I don't have one, but um, uh, another flying buddy of mine says he he just got one and he loves just zipping around the house and the thing. See what kind of trouble yeah. he can get into. And I don't know the the complete history of it, but my understanding is that first they came out with the Indetrix, which was not an FPV system. And people started adding cameras to it with the, you know, the little spectrum cameras with the built-in uh, video transmitter. And before long, well, those are called tiny whoops. And then before long, Blade came out with this new version that has the camera built in. But there's still a lot of people who do their own modifications with special flight control boards and different motors and different batteries. And apparently just by changing the battery connectors, you can get a, a much better duration out of it. Hmm. I guess there's a lot of efficiency loss there. But um, yeah, high resistance anyway, it, it's kind of the new thing for people to mod on the cheap. Hmm. And kind of like we mentioned with the associated car, if it gets popular, other people will, will follow suit. So it looks like finally, now that the indoor quad racing thing has become a thing, other people are starting to come out with some. One of which is the House Racer from Rise. Have you guys looked at that? <laughs> I did after you sent me the link. <laughs> and I'm going to say what I didn't tell you because I was holding the story. But the, cover, go, the cover of the website is what <laughs> throws me off. The whole house is a wreck. <laughs> you've got a couch on its side. You've got a paint stain in the corner of the... I mean, they're just... I mean, they're, their marketing I, is way off for people who do not want these flying in the house. <laughs> Don't show this that. to your mother. But look, the picture's crooked. There's stuff... I mean, it's like, hey, we can wreck your house in one fail swoop. <laughs> so... Anyway, How did I miss that? That's you don't see that on the cover of the I do website? now. <laughs> the couch is at an angle. It's like, it all you're missing is a dead body on the floor. You know, with someone <laughs> in the back of the head. <laughs> okay, that's really off the topic there, but I just thought that was a poor marketing design on the back page. <laughs> but do you have one of these, or did you, just, did you just see it? No, I've got one. Oh, okay. I've only flown it once or twice. It's different a little bit from the Indetrix. It's bigger and a little heavier, but the concept is the same. It's got all the FPV stuff built in, and this one includes goggles. Well, actually, it includes a monitor and goggles. It's got, yeah. um, I don't know, maybe a four-inch monitor, but also one of those big headsets. You can plop the monitor in and put it on your head. And, uh, it's all 5.8 gigahertz, good quality stuff, and it's got a nice transmitter with it. So... Uh, I'll be playing with that pretty soon. And they have a set of the race gates for indoor. I've got some of those as well, and I'm hoping to set up a track, not inside my house because it's not quite big enough, um, but I've got a location where I think I can set this stuff up and try these things out. Okay, go to the features tab on the website. <laughs> okay. I mean, when I think oh, features, yeah. I think, tell me more about this device. But no, in one of the photos, it's a picture of the darn thing in a refrigerator. <laughs> Who is the marketing guru for this device? I don't want to find my child's quadcopter next to the eggs. <laughs> House Razor, give me my beer. <laughs> Sorry. It's the little things that set me off. <laughs> and the big things and the medium sized uh, things yeah. it's just things things <laughs> yeah. darn things things that exist and people off. why are there people in this world <laughs> <laughs> and don't get them started people and things <laughs> oh gosh flying these things <laughs> uh, anyway I just thought that was just a crazy hey look it'll fit in your refrigerator <laughs> <laughs> It goes faster. <laughs> Think of the refrigerator as a launch platform. You open do you the door have a refrigerator launch. you can fly in? You do now. Oh. Remember last week when Chris was talking about cryogenically freezing the engine parts to go faster? Those uh, yeah. ducted fans? See, same concept here. Oh, I see. Yeah. It's just <laughs> stick it in the freezer for a little while and it goes faster. Your pre-flight checklist, stick next to eggs. It turns the motors into superconductors. <laughs> uh, good grief. Are you finished now? <laughs> I'm never finished. But continue. I'll interrupt you later. Are you out of tomatoes to hurl? Yeah, virtual tomatoes. Virtual tomatoes. Thank you, Fitz. 
Keep going. No, I don't know what else to say. I'm, <laughs> it I'm, says right here, always follow the AMA safety code. I'm pretty sure sticking your drone in a refrigerator is not one of the recommended uh, locations for your quad. Check section three, paragraph two, wise guy. <laughs> uh, I thought you were finished. Tell us more. <laughs> I, no, I don't want to. Uh, thanks for sharing that, Terry. That made me laugh. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I hope you all guys get to visit this website before they change it. <laughs> oh, yeah, they're going to change it because of you. Because of me. <laughs> He's on to something. Why didn't we make that couch at a 45-degree angle? <laughs> we should do make a picture of Lee uh, superimposed on this with an <laughs> eye patch and band-aids. <laughs> no, just I'm going to do a picture of me laying down with a, you know, a line drawn around me. The little thing stuck in the back of my neck. Uh, oh boy! Thanks, Terry. You make me laugh. Uh, I rack you. You making me laugh. What else do we got, Fitz? Uh, hold on. <laughs> Let me end by saying I like it. I've been having fun on the one flight so far and, and checking it out. So I am optimistic. Lee is a glass half empty or throw the glass on the throw ground. Throw the glass on the ground. <laughs> Use the shards to slice your wrist. Let's see if I can nail that quad with the glass. <laughs> well, there goes your birthday present. Oh, man. And just a footnote, folks. I'm not a, I'm not a complete quad hater. I have, you know, I've mentioned it before. Each of my kids has this great little, you know, World Hobbies one. Was it right? World, not what is it? World Tech toys, something like that. Um, they, it flies great. I just thought the really the the marketing strategy here. And one thing I have not done, so this is where I can't really have an opinion on the FPV, is I've never flown FPV. I don't have goggles, and I I, I think that what's been holding me back is I keep hearing wonderful things about the Fat Shark goggles, but I'd have to get ones that have like diopter settings and stuff. So I I just that that cost seems to be prohibitive. Because it's like two fifty, three hundred dollars for those nice fat shark goggles. Yeah, at least. Hmm. See, you're like me, Lee. I tell my wife that I hate sushi, but I've never tried sushi, so I don't know. It might be the best thing I've ever eaten. It's good. I like it. <laughs> you're missing the point, Lee. It's an <laughs> I got it. I understand what you're saying. <laughs> I have not, and I and I freely admitted to you, I have not flown FP, <laughs> and I would do that, but I think. If I wanted to, I had tried on some of those Spectrum goggles. We had this conversation, Terry, that they, yeah. you know, and they were really bad. And you were not kidding. And I think if if I were to have made a decision based on that quality, I would not want to do this hobby because it was so poor. And you quickly said, well, those are bad. You need to go with something that's better, like the Fat Shark. But when I looked at the price tag and realized what I'd have to add to it so I could see properly, I just said, I, I don't know if I want to spend the $300 plus dollars. And that's well, just because of my, the way I fly and what I like to do. And that might be where the goggles like are included with this are better because they don't have the individual eye cups. It's kind of a big thing that goes around your whole face like an octopus and the monitor goes in there. So you could wear your glasses if you need to or whatever else. So I might try that. Yes. So when we meet up next month... Maybe I'll bring this with me. And maybe I will try them on. If I'm in a good mood. <laughs> and if your heart is open to new experiences. <laughs> <We're> gonna... <laughs> Never mind. Yes. I, yes, Terry. I think you need to call Rise right now and apologize. <laughs> I hate apologizing for their marketing. <laughs> their poor marketing attempt there. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever flown into a refrigerator? I, please, listeners, Are we, if you, we listeners, please, again? please help me out here. Some we already had the vote about the Velcro. I beat you on that one. Let me beat you down on this one. That the marketing for this thing, having a couch sideways, pictures at an angle, and say, "Hey, it's fun indoors." It's not the kind of way to achieve, especially if you're a parent with little kids who could probably do that with those quadcopters. Hey, Dad, we could fly under the couch if we just lift it up. Just because you put your couch flat on the ground. <laughs> oh, man. All right, we've beat this to death. Oh, we did. Let's take a poll. I like it. 
We know how f- Lee feels. Fitz, you've been awfully quiet. Uh, I abstain from this. Oh. <laughs> you're no. the tiebreaker. <laughs> I think it'll be through a, the house, man. It'll uh, come to a thumb wrestle. <laughs> sorry, I'm on Team Terry with this one, Lee. Sorry. Oh. Well, I'm just na, waiting for my na, listeners. Na, na, na. <laughs> God. All right, let's move on. Maybe we should take a break so we can go to our corners. You know, and come back <laughs> fresh for another topic. <laughs> ding 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 ding. So. What has 12 motors and 12 battery packs? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. 12 motors and 12 battery packs. It actually requires an independent battery for each motor? According to the instructions here, Maxford's new Dornier DOX or DO10. Dornier. Dornier D Dornier do do X. <laughs> the docs. You, you the make docs. fun of me on FPV, but we will always make fun of Fitz and his, his pronunciation. <laughs> so the Dornier DOX, which is a Can scale I say model. Pronunciation. See? Dornier? <laughs> Karma. Pronunciation. I'm just going to nickname it the Dodo. The Dodo X. Okay. There the you Dodo. go. <laughs> scale model of a seaplane. Apparently, the uh, one of the largest seaplanes ever see service. Uh, has the real one had 12 motors on the thing, and so Maxford has a new ARF 95 inch span of this this really amazing model, and yes, it can it can s- handle up to 12 motors, and they're saying also 12 battery packs, which is it probably insane. needs 12 motors. <laughs> well, they say six to 12 or six or 12, excuse me. So apparently, you can run off of six motors if you don't feel like. But okay, wiring so up like a Christmas tree. It's in six push-pull pairs. Yeah, they're the push-pull pods that sit above the wing. And you can either have six motors and six dummies or 12 full full operational motors on a thing. Okay. If you're really... And, and they say six to 12 battery packs, which seems kind of crazy to have... You need 12 battery packs. That's Yeah, you would think you could share one per pod. Yeah, at least. But whatever, if you're building a $1,200 95-inch span ARF, you're probably not too worried about a couple more batteries. Yeah, good point. Or six more batteries. So yeah. I wonder what the wiring on this thing looks like. Um, something that mice live in? It could be. And I'm not trying to belittle it. It looks really cool. And as always, I applaud Maxford for coming out with unique items. Oh, yeah, definitely. And it, it was when we saw that. It's like holy crap, that's awesome! <laughs> it's an eye catcher, uh-huh. and it looks like it's amphibious. It is. There's a video of it taking off the water and land. So I don't know how the landing gear is just plug in or what, but they have videos of doing of it doing both, and it did pretty good in the water. It actually really really nice off the water. The stills they have of it in the water have the cowls removed, so you're actually looking at the motor and wiring setup. Um, I think maybe an early video. It's the stills. Oh, the stills. Yeah, they had, they had some stills of the prototype flying, and then they so there's actual video for some of the more pre-production versions that are more uh, fully cowled that kind of stuff. So I wonder what kind of demand there is for something like this. That's a good question. Probably not much. I bet uh, Colonel Dave would have bought one. Oh yeah. Oh, he probably <laughs> too. Yeah. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's cool. Um, but first of all, for something like this with this many motors, you probably cut down your your pool of candidates quite a bit. And yeah. then when it's 95-inch span, that's a whole other can of worms. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I hope I do see one or two out there. Oh, definitely. So, you know the... I um, see one in person. And if you ever looked up the real one, but apparently the real one actually was not a very good performing plane. It... it even with the upgraded engines, it can only go to about uh, 1,600 feet in the air. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was <laughs> it could barely fly, uh, although it had a lot of luxuries in it, apparently. It was really for uh, high society flyers with wet bars and bathrooms and uh, uh, multi-levels and the thing, sleeping berths. I mean, this was all pretty fancy for late 1920s, early 1930s. And it was probably a stepping stone. Yeah. I'm sure it was really quiet. 
<laughs> I was thinking the same thing. I said, what would you like to drink? <laughs> what did you call me? It probably sounded like the end of the world and inside the thing. <laughs> I guess all the drag, too, with all those engines hanging out. It's probably a bear to fly the thing. Yeah, really high thrust line, too. Yeah. Yeah. Don't start slow and jam the engines full. Oh, it's, speaking of that, apparently they had, they were saying the engine controls were separate from the pilot, so the pilot would have to relay to the engineer to throttle up, and it was, they said it was more like a ship where the captain says, okay, all ahead full, and then you'd have to wait for the engines to spool up from some other right. couple guys to spool up the engines manually. <laughs> all ahead what? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I'll stop, no! Shut the left engines? <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely had to think way ahead in flying this thing. The good old days. Yeah. The good old days. When men were men. And airplanes <laughs> were very dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, coated, coated with flammable dope. <laughs> and cotton and wood. <laughs> and no parachutes. It was just a fire starter in the air. Yeah. <laughs> Let's just fill this bag with helium. That'll get us across the Atlantic. Hydrogen. Hydrogen. Oh, crap. <laughs> 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 Hydrogen, helium, what's the difference? Yeah, tomato, tomato. <laughs> smoking, sure. We'll make a, we'll have a place for smoking over here. That's a good Hydrogen point. Hydrogen can't reach over there. You know you had the smoking section in the Hindenburg. <laughs> but anyways, um, well, like I said, Terry, you know, good for, kudos for Max for, for making such a uh, really outrageous model. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's... Uh, Hopefully they can at least get their money back from the development on this. Hey guys, correct me if I'm wrong. Has has there been another Dornier in a smaller version that I've seen? Did, as a kit? Yeah, I, I want to say yeah, I've seen a Dornier, a much smaller one with I, probably just a. Um, you know, I'm pretty sure I've seen a scratch built one in a magazine somewhere, but I don't think ever yeah, there was a kit. Same here. Okay. And there are other Dornier flying boats that are smaller. So I don't know. So what's his name out of Canada probably built one? Was his name Laddie? Laddie McIlasco? McIlasco. He's very likely to have built one. Or Ivan Pettigrew, maybe? Yeah. All right, that's your homework for next time, Lee. Well, I've already seen one that's way over 90 inches. <laughs> this guy standing next to it, I'm, I mean, it's huge. But that's I'm sure that's a custom custom gig. But I, I want to say I thought I saw one with that had that dummy... Uh, rear pushers and so but it could be wrong i may have just seen someone scratch build well while lee does his homework let's take a quick break and we'll be right back Bright, you look happy to meet me. I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that I've gotten into sailing. I had a friend of mine named Chuck who I've met at best when uh, back in like 2002, and uh, we tried to get flying together, but he was not not enjoying the flying part as much. So he started getting into sailing and now he's really into it. So, um, you know, I got a sailboat at, at best from Keith and I was, you know, using it and I had Chuck and give me some tips. And I think he was so happy to see a, a good friend of his getting into it that now he, we have kind of like a, a ritual every Tuesday, he comes over about 10 o'clock and we'd talk boats and I uh, fixed some of the rigging for him. And then my neighbor got involved now. So, uh, we both now have Dragon 65 boats, one that my neighbor bought for himself, and the other is the one that Chuck sold to me. It's uh, one he's raced a lot, but he's got a lot of boats, so he's really just trying to pass on his skills and expertise to to us, and, and we're loving it. He's he's such a great guy. Um, he's passionate about this this hobby, and what I I loved so much was when, when Steve came over, my neighbor, and uh, was in the garage, and we're working on stuff, and 
I had introduced Steve. I was like, yeah, he's getting into sailing. I could see Chuck's face going, well, you got to know what you need to get. There are some boats that are good and some boats that are bad. And Steve looked at him and said, well, I got a Dragon 65. And my friend Chuck, he's like 80, 85 years old. He just, his eyes just glossed over. He went over and hugged Steve and says, that's the right boat to get. <laughs> I mean, and then this, this friendship just suddenly, you know, took, took charge and, and, they love it. I mean, they just love talking about boats. We we had a great time sailing both of our dragons in the pond. And uh, what I wanted to kind of move on from there uh, is that uh, what I like about Chuck is that he is really wanting to to hand off his experience to other other RC goers or sailing guys. And he knows I'm not much into it, but none of no one in his family appreciates his hobby. Uh, his kids do not. Uh, his son, rather, does not do any RC uh, boating or flying. His grandchildren are all girls, and they have no passion for it. So for me, every time I see him, he's just hoping to pass on what he knows because he's really learned a lot. And again, he does a lot of racing. And it made me realize how important uh, the old-timers are in this hobby. And I just thought I'd say if you have a friend, someone who's in this hobby, maybe someone you see at your field or your club and um, – you know, they like this hobby and they have stories. Go listen to their stories. And it kind of came full circle when we lost Colonel Dave um, back in January. And I've been talking with Tom and Keith and, and reading posts about Colonel Dave. He just had so much more to share. And I kind of wish I had listened to more of his stories. And he was a huge lover of this hobby. And Maybe it was just kind of sentimental because, you know, my dad's not here and he, he wasn't able to pass on his, his joys to his grandchildren. But, you know, it made me realize, you know, there, there's a fun aspect of this hobby, whether it's, you know, building from scratch, um, what you used to fly, what you remember to, to tell kids and, you know, and adults who are getting into the hobby just how fun it is and how special it is. So, but, you know, do give credit to those guys who are still in this hobby and those who, if they try to help you or if they want to give you advice, just listen to it. And I'm really glad that uh, Chuck has kind of opened my eyes to sailing. It is a lot of fun. I didn't think I'd enjoy it as much, but now that my neighbor's involved, we, he just calls me all the time and says, Hey, let's go to the pond and, and go sailing. So now that I've shared my story, do either of you have, you know, people in your club or something like that, something that's been handed off to you from someone who's been in the hobby a real long time? I'm thinking. I've gotten kits before from some old-timers. And one I still have, I got a long time ago. I used to work at a hobby shop. An old-timer came in, and, uh, you know, I was, I was young and poor, and we got to talking to him, and he was a real nice guy. And he says, hey, I, I got a whole bunch of kits. Would, anything you're interested in? And I said, yeah, I'd really like a, a nice small model kit I could put together uh, for a small engine. And, uh, and lo and behold, a week later, he comes back up, he comes up with this really neat kit called a bullpup. It was a, I had never seen the kit before. It was old even back then. And he says, here you go. Just take it. And he didn't want, he didn't want any money for it. And he just gave it to me. And I ended up building it and I still have it some almost 30 years later. Uh, I, I need to re refurbish it, but, uh, it was a real nice gesture from a, from a, an old timer. And I've never forgotten it. And I'm sure he was, he's long past, but, uh, it, I've had, that's one of the great things about this hobby is some of the nicest people you meet is some of the old timers that just want to, who love the hobby and want to share their experience. And they look beyond any superficial things and just really make the hobby such a wonderful sport. You got a tissue? <laughs> Terry just has no friends. He has no old timer friends. He's just Terry is the old by himself. He like hates old timers. Yeah. <laughs> My wife accuses me of only hanging out with old guys. Um, well, for me, I think it started very young because my grandfather was always in the control line, and so was my dad to some degree, and some of his brothers. So it, not necessarily RC, but modeling was always around when I was a kid, so it just kind of naturally fell into it. And even to this day, when I visit my family in Florida, I go and fly RC with my uncles. It's just a thing. And I guess it behooves us to also do the same thing, pass along our experience and generosity to the younger group and try to get fresh blood into the hobby as best we can to, to continue the tradition. 
Nah, screw those guys. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping my stuff. <laughs> Get off your lawn, too. Right. But I wanted to comment on something Lee said, that um, Chuck's grandkids are girls. And I just want to say, my youngest, eight-year-old Gretchen, she is more interested in RC than either of her older siblings. Just yesterday, she was out in the front yard driving a monster truck. And she wants to build an airplane. Hot dog. Well, there you go. Get her own airplane. Stat. <laughs> I might have one or two in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> Hello Kitty airplane. <laughs> hey, that's a good idea. Well, yeah. I told Ryan, it's like Ryan has not flown solo yet. And I keep telling him, I said, well, I'll, I'll take you out. He goes, yeah, but I don't want to crash any of your airplanes and you get mad at me. It's like, I, I have planes I'm willing to let you crash. If you want to go, let's go. Let's go crash them together. <laughs> he doesn't want you to come home mad and turn a couch upside down. <laughs> yeah, just keep those FPVs out of the house. <laughs> no son of mine. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm talking about old timers. Uh, Fitz and I are on a road trip tonight. We're heading to Fort Worth to Colonel Dra uh, Colonel Dave's uh, f estate sale and his hangar. We've been keeping in touch with the guys who are uh, helping out with the family to organize everything. And boy, it is a huge, huge undertaking. We'll post the link on our website of the uh, RC Group's thread. And I've I talked to Fitz about a week or two ago about going and just didn't pan out. But then Richard posted some more photos. And I think what caught me and kind of tying back into the old timer thing was it's not really wanting to go to buy something. Uh, it's really because this guy had a great collection. And, if you know, some of it's been sitting on shelves for years, so it's quite dusty and all. But how many times do you get an opportunity to go to see someone's hobby shop? to you know, they're the place where they build their models and, and look at all the stuff they really enjoyed building or collecting. And Dave was a collector. You know, a lot of his planes that are like high dollar items right now, he's purchased from other people and he, he cherishes those. In fact, uh, Stuart Rush, the president of our club was the one who sold him that large seaplane uh, at best. So it's, it's just neat to see how he pretty much just kept the hobby going because he he helped out Stewart buying his plane, and you know he he just really liked it. So I, I just want to go see this huge collection for myself, and uh, I think you do too, Fitz. Yeah, not only that, he he also collected somewhat of full scale aircraft. He's got four or five aircraft in his hangar that he actually flew or was building to fly, uh, like a Beach eighteen, I think, and a few other smaller planes that uh, Mooney Might, I think, was another one. I think he's got a Taylor craft. Yeah, yeah, it, it, he does. So just to go around and caress some 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 classic uh, full scale planes too is going to be a really neat treat as well. Yeah, I'm hoping uh, for our listeners we'll do a video. Maybe Fitz will do this as a hobby view uh, kind of interview. I'll do a lot of stills. I'll take my camera gear and then we'll share it on our Facebook page for you guys because this is a great opportunity. Uh, again, I, I've been talking to Tom and he was. He, he shared a lot of good information about about Colonel Dave and all the stuff they're going through. And and sadly, the eye-opener that Keith and Tom both shared with me is that once you see his collection, you say to yourself, what do I need to do now to make it easier for my family if something were to suddenly happen? And, you know, let's not say he wasn't organized. Let's just say he had a collection. <laughs> it was all in one place, but it was just everywhere. So... You know, he said it, it was really hard for us to go through and find stuff, and it made. And Keith was saying, you know, it makes me want to go back to my workshop and start labeling things or, or move things around so it's easier for people to identify. And um, I think what <laughs> it's going to make me laugh is Tom said, I may have half of what Colonel Dave has, but he goes, I know I've got a lot of work to do to clean it up. <laughs> I'm thinking carefully planted explosives for my collection. <laughs> <laughs> Landmines. <laughs> I got a dead man switch. As soon as I kick off, everything just explodes. <laughs> Saves them the well, hassle. You two, you two are my go-to guys. If something happens to me, I expect you guys to come down, throw away the batteries, and then start sorting. But in in my case, I think my boys will get a lot of the stuff that's in there. So uh, I do hope that you guys pick out something fun. Can for we do yourself. a 
Can we do like a Viking funeral? Just load all your models into a boat and shoot a flaming arrow into it. No, no, oh. those are going to my kids. You crazy goons! Now, if you want to take a, a plane and then just you know, <laughs> fly it into the ground as a tribute for me, then yeah, I guess you can do one. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that with a I'll, sailboat. I'll, I'll, <laughs> <laughs> we'll fly the sailboat Terry, into the ground. That is from the- <laughs> mission accepted. You must fly my sailboat into the ground in a fiery, <laughs> fiery pile. Awesome. That's not what I meant. <laughs> no, I really like that idea. I just want to set it on fire. <laughs> no, I want you to fly my sailboat into the ground. That's what I want. While it's on I'm, fire. I'm going to write it in my will. <laughs> Terry must do that. Uh, anyway, uh, so just, uh, again, passing it on. We'll, uh, we'll say sometimes those old timers have great stories to tell. So if you know anybody in the hobby, just just go get with them and, and listen in and, and start planning your, your hobby shop. <laughs> cleanup process now. <laughs> well, I wanted to add one more thing. Keith mentioned something about, I, he's one of the guys that's been helping organize things over at Colonel Dave's. And I think he was on servo detail and he said something about, what, 30 pounds of servos? They were just putting them in bags yeah, and selling them by the pound. That's a lot of servos. 30 pounds of servos. The servo weighs wow. a ounce or two each. At the most, yeah, those are for big ones, right? Yeah, it's just so, for big ones, yeah, for standard size. I can't fathom That's thirty of pounds of servos. That's <laughs> awesome. You can make one big giant robot with a lot. Of <sighs> oh yeah, <laughs> I might have to hold Fitz back. He might be eyeing that bad boy. <laughs> My suburban can only carry so much, Fitz. <laughs> well, you guys should pick up a trinket or two, right? Oh, it's and I hope like there's it. a good turnout. I I really hope they're able to get rid of a lot of this stuff. Mm. Well, and I like what Keith said. Keith said, uh, you know, Tom has already put the prices very low on these items, much lower than Keith would ever accept. So, you know, he, he hopes that no one really tries to lowball in the, during the auction to, to get the prices too low. I don't think it's going to happen, but I did hear from Tom that he expects 200 people tomorrow. Oh, that's great. Wow. What a great tribute. I mean, I, I do hope that people leave and say they've got a, a Colonel Dave aircraft. I know I do. I, I'm gonna. I can't wait for Best to fly his vampire on fire. On fire. <laughs> maybe a trail some flame out the back. Maybe. Put it Have you seen that it. video on flight test where they added afterburner? Uh, with real fuel or just with like LEDs? I think it was propane. Yeah, they had like a like actual afterburner. Propane or butane side of kind of thing. Yeah. Flame yeah. out the back. They almost Not, burned a tail off, actually. Remember earlier we were talking about planes being made of wood dope? <laughs> no, I don't this need to be. I, know, I, know, yeah. I don't need my phone to be catching fire. <laughs> it's melting down. <laughs> oh. Let's talk about your club renegades. Yeah, yeah. Well, you're on a roll, Lee. <laughs> well, I'll just make this quick. We had a couple of people in our club that were. Uh, as the best word I can use, being bullies, they were not oh, following. Oh, flying FPV. I yeah, probably it. FPVs. Probably those little things, you know, buzzing people's faces while they were on the on the flight line. Hey, can you see your plane? Can you see your plane? <laughs> those are the guys with sideways couches. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no. These guys were actually uh, verbal bullies. They, they, uh, they were bossing people around. They were breaking rules. And they had been warned. And For example, when you say bossing people around bossing people around, uh, basically telling them that they weren't breaking the rules and they don't have the authority to tell them what to do. Whatever, I do what I want. Uh, <laughs> okay, and this you is know, a, me, a I do club what I on public land. This is... This is a private uh, club. Okay. Yeah, Yeah. so... Uh, I guess the purpose of this little comment was that if you have people that are breaking rules, AMA rules, that are, are flying dangerously, in fact, everybody... You know, had a story to tell, and I had one. The we have a flight line. We have a you know, don't pass the the pilot stations. And my kids and I were flying our model rockets way off in the hay fields, over a hundred yards away. And these guys were uh, leaving the flight line and flying over our rocket launcher intentionally. You know, I mean, this was not because they accidentally were lining up and the wind was blowing and they had a better. No, they were flying way out with large three D aircraft, way off the flight line. Maliciously antagonistic. Yeah, that's a great, that's exactly it, Fitz. So, um, again, they'd been warned, and uh, another no-no was that they were drinking. 
Oh. at our field. And it's a big no-no. And just lying, just lying through their teeth. So anyway, just the, 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 the moral of the story is if you have club members that are not obeying the rules and you're having a tough time with them, get your board involved, make it known, follow the bylaws, and then you, you vote them out. And that's what we did. You just can't you can't enjoy it, especially if you have you know your young kids and your family there, and, and people are either hogging the runway or not staying in the flight pattern. Um, it's not appropriate. And unfortunately, they just they had been to the point where they could not be taught. The they just did not want to follow the rules. And at that point, you have to say you need to get your own land and you fly in your own way and you risk your own people, your friends, and you get your own liability insurance. So. That's it. That's the story. Never seen so it happen before. What's the demographic we're talking about here? The young guys? Uh, probably my age. I mean, I'd say. Okay. You know, just but they, you know, more. <laughs> these are the guys who, hey, let's light our planes in fire and see what it looks like. <laughs> hey, here's a shotgun. Try to shoot me out of the sky. Um, how's that? <laughs> but are were they new to the hobby? No, no, they've been flying for a long really? time. And have they always been? It appears. Insert word here. They'd only been they'd only been members for one year. Hmm. Interesting. You know, we've got a field up here. Actually, two fields. There's an actual AMA sanctioned club, and we fly out of an inactive airport about 15 miles north of town. But within the city limits, there is a city-owned field designated for RC, and I think originally it was supposed to be managed by a club, but it hasn't been, at least since I've been here. Um, so that's where people who aren't part of the club go and fly. And it's great for me because it's only 10 minutes from home. It's got a paved runway and a nice open field beside it. However, on weekends when it's crowded, um, I literally fear for my safety sometimes. Wow, really? Yeah, kind of the stuff you talked about with people... Uh, flying over the pits, and you're going to enjoy this, Lee. There's some FPV guys that that literally have no barriers. They fly over the people, over the cars, low. That uh, it doesn't matter to them. Um, and we're talking. There might be 20 people out there when this is going on, and it's just chaos. So you know, I can understand if there's three or four people there, and the sun's in your face. You want to fly from the other side, and that puts you over the parking lot great as long as everybody there agrees to it and you're all chicken hands whatever bend the rules but when there's that many people there and you're just kind of doing your own thing and yeah and the biggest thing for me is a lot of people um, there's a little pad right next to the runway where everybody seems to park that's where guys start up their big gas engines and i've seen enough props come off of engines before that i don't want to be in front of it and there's there's just no standard for anybody there and no accountability so I go there when it's not crowded, and otherwise I just leave it alone. So there's no safety officer? No. Oh, no. It's completely the Wild West. It, it's the honor system. Rules of the jungle. And the funny thing is, the, the park itself, you're supposed to have a city permit to use it, which is only $10 a year, but you have to show AMA membership to buy that permit. And so I've been doing that every year, and I did that for this year just a few weeks ago. And when I was in there, I asked the, the Parks Department person, just out of curiosity, how many of these do you sell a year? And she's like, oh, only about two or three. So out of all those people who are using it, almost nobody buys the permit. So as far as the city's concerned, nobody's out there using the facility that they're maintaining. So anyway, it's just an interesting, for me, an interesting aspect of how other people view the hobby. Well, I hate to ask this question, but have you seen an accident out there? Um, yes, but not because of that kind of foolishness. No, I saw a guy who's... Well, actually, I wasn't even there. I didn't see it, but it happened that you know, somebody got caught up in a prop while they were starting, but and that was just because of failed equipment or something. Somebody was holding the plane for him, and they slipped. I don't know. Um so, no, I have not seen any injuries due to the stuff I'm talking about or damage, but I don't want to be there when it happens. And I've seen enough to convince me that it's only a matter of time. Wow. So, that anyway, is... I enjoy going there. I enjoy going to my club field, but there are very different attitudes. Now, the pros and cons of having a public field versus a private field. Now, that's kind of – there have been times I've been to SCOBY 
and I don't know if you've heard my stories of SCOBY, but I, many years ago when I used to fly out there, there was this one guy, <laughs> we'll call him Bob. <laughs> it's not, his name wasn't Bob, but he, he kind of made it his job to tell everybody how to fly, what to do. And he's bossed me around a couple of times, but my favorite, <laughs> my favorite payback was when uh, this guy had his plane on the ground and he was working on it. Engine wasn't running. He had it sitting there and he had his transmitter right next to him. And this guy, Bob, walked with his, not even paying attention with another, someone else's plane, going on and on about how this, this and that. And he stepped on the guy's antenna because it's 72 megahertz days. And then he blamed the guy for laying his transmitter down on the ground and not being up in the air. And I, I think I literally said, you've got to be kidding. I think I just, he pushed me over the edge. I said, you stepped on his antenna. You weren't looking. I think you owe him an apology. And he got after me, but I mean, he just, he was just that kind of guy. And it made me not want to fly there because I knew he was always there telling people how to fly. And, you know, it's a public, it's a public field. So you, anybody can fly there. So I, I kind of know what you're talking about on those crowded days yeah i got yelled at at scoby maybe even that guy i was i think it was the same guy i was with you <laughs> oh how about you fitz do you have anybody yell at you at a, <laughs> i doubt the nasa guys are like that that's a private club yeah no we're real easygoing very the worst the worst i've ever seen was a slight um reminder of a particular ruler or something but nothing no, nothing as obnoxious as you guys have received I'll give a I'll give credit to the NASA class. You guys are really cool. The first time I I flew there, I think Terry, you're the one who invited me for a little event. Nice guys. That's that's a good club. You've yeah. got armed guards at the gate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We call the big guns. Well, things helps. get too he- heavy. No, no. We've we've also heard the same thing. I, we have a relatively new club member, and he was a member of another club. And he's like, he comes to our meetings. He's like, man, your meetings are much much better than our old club meetings from my other club because <laughs> where you had to clean up the blood uh, <laughs> every meeting ours are much more cordial and lighthearted and uh, uh easygoing so i feel pretty lucky to have uh, the club that i belong to i agree having been a member of that club you're lucky well unlike my club we just unfortunately had some guys that just were not uh, uh <laughs> How did they take the news? Uh, very. Notice my air quotes. Very well. <laughs> um, but I think I'm going to have to hold off any other further discussion. <laughs> I don't have to take it offline. But let's just say I don't think they'll be coming back to our field anymore. So. Were they at the meeting? <laughs> they were not. <laughs> so oh, gotcha. I guess I could answer that question. Um, but it, it's just it's sad. Uh, it's sad because it's most people, I think, if they're new to a club and didn't understand the rules, they'd accept it. But these, I, I, you know, they're almost like club hoppers. They just do as much as they can to get away with it. And you'd think by now they'd realize they just need to go find their own land. You know, go or go to a public field where, you know, there are no safety officers or people who really care. But I, again, it's, it was just not acceptable. And hopefully you'll, you'll be willing to speak up. And gosh, I'm, I don't know about you, Terry, if you had an incident where you think someone was really not following rules properly, who would you even go to? At that city field? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. There's been times that I just packed up my stuff and left. Hmm. Let's be careful out there. Anyway, nice bunch of guys, just not the most safety conscious at times. Is there a happier note we can switch to? Anything good? <laughs> Not FPV? <laughs> Hardy har. Har, 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 har. <laughs> Well, we could talk about Lady Gaga's drones. No. How about we talk about your, your house inspection? I want to hear about that. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, um, um, as I mentioned before, we're looking to move to a new location, and... Uh, I found the use of drones to be actually quite handy. Uh, we've just been in a couple of houses so far. We've taken extra steps to inspect them using drones. A friend of mine's got a new DJI Mavic, and uh, he's was itching to kind of play around with it. I said, hey, well, I'm looking at another house. We're having it inspected. Why don't you come over with your drone, and we can take some flight around, take some pictures. And uh, and it was a couple of things that uh, the inspectors had mentioned. Said, hey, I think your, your, your gutter may be clogged, and... And a couple other things. Oh, well, let's we'll pop up and uh, 
take a look. And so we pulled the thing out and flew around and I can inspect the gutters and, and a couple parts of the house that you couldn't see from the ground. Uh, and I also took some long shots of the property uh, to kind of get an idea of the shape and some options I wanted to pursue. And uh, it's been actually quite useful to have this thing and kind of inspect around and, and look around. And uh, it was funny, we got a conversation with the actual inspector that was out there. And he said that he had, I think it was a, one of the, Mav, the DGI um, Phantoms, Phantom 3 or 4. And he said he had started using one to inspect really tall houses, like three floors and whatnot. Except one day he said he pulled it out and didn't realize it was a little, a little too windy for the thing. And ended up smashing it, <laughs> crashing the thing. And so he's, now it's, it needs to be repaired. And he wasn't too thrilled with that part, but... Uh, I thought it was interesting that he had this, had bought it to use it for his actual work, um, but uh, I guess let it get away from him at one point and damaged it. Hmm. Could you, you ask him if uh, if he knows about Part 107, or did you avoid that? I avoided that. I didn't want to get into too much detail. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See, and I'm thinking about that. You know, he, yeah, I mean, yeah. You'd think the part one of seven would apply here that he'd have to use it because it's part of his process. Yeah. But if he's not charging, see, I, ugh. no, no, this is cut and dry. This is a commercial he's use for that. He needs a part one of seven. In the FAA's eyes, I'm, I'm not advocating one way or the other, but I, I don't think there's any ambiguity there. Mm. I guess because yeah. he's not giving as an option. No, it was part of his normal inspection. It was something he yeah. used. It wasn't. He didn't use it all the time, but yeah, it's it falls into commercial use. Um, uh, so it was, it was interesting that he wanted to use it for his actual work, but I guess yeah, he did. It so, didn't sound like he went through all the formalities of it. Well, let's let's approach it from you. You're obviously a hobbyist, but you're flying a drone in airspace. Would you need a Part 107 just to do that? I wouldn't think so. It wasn't a commercial use. It was just my own personal use. Yeah. And I, I, I was, I maintained the, the minimum air altitude and that kind of stuff. So. Yeah, um, that's right. Four hundred feet. Yeah. So I didn't. I did my you best right. not to violate any FAA regulations. Yeah. Yep. So yep, did yep. you with the Mavic? Did you notice any problems with the obstacle avoidance when you're trying to get close to the gutter and things like that? <laughs> yeah, it was funny because I did get close to the gutter, and that thing was beeping like crazy. It did not like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I hate this gutter. Like, Don't make me get any closer. <laughs> I think at one point it wouldn't let me get any closer. Uh, I got close enough, fortunately, right. but there was another wall coming up, and it was beeping like crazy, and, and at one point it just wouldn't let me get any closer uh, horizontally to a certain spot. I thought that was funny. And yeah. we've set it off before. Um, we went out to the flying field with it, and he was flying the Mavic. And I was flying my uh, 3DR Solo, and I wanted to get some close-up shots. And I got so close to him that his collision warning went off on the thing as well with my uh, oh, wow. my drone. <laughs> it was pretty funny. <laughs> um, next time you're out flying it, try the tripod mode. Tripod mode. On the Mavic? Yeah, it's one of the enhanced... Yeah. Huh. It's one of those enhanced modes. It's super docile that way so when you're trying to get smooth video i would uh, think around a house would be one of those ways it's uh very easy to fly smoothly and uh, precisely interesting i'll look into it and also if you need to do house stuff again you can put it in sport mode and it'll turn off those sensors the collision sensors. oh so you can turn them off yeah okay didn't know that but uh, there might be more than one way but when you put it in the sport mode it it disables all that. Oh. But then it's more um, sensitive, too. So, Yeah, I actually like the more sensitive. My um, 3DR was pretty mild, and I figured out I can go into the settings and crank up all the settings, and it got a lot more sprightly. Yeah. yeah. I think my friend did it, too. He um, kind of goosed it up a little bit, so as he's gotten more used to it. But uh, I'll talk to him about that, because I don't think he knows that you could turn it off, the uh, sensors. But so far, it's been well, pretty yeah, nice. Yeah, I think just by switching the flight mode, you can do that. Oh, okay. So. It's been a pretty nice machine. He's been real happy with it. And uh, uh, it has really good flight times. That thing stays up in the air forever. Yeah, they advertise, I think, 25 minutes. Yeah, and it, it'll really do that, too. It's not false advertisement. It, it'll really fly for a long time. Yeah. Yeah, it's impressive. 
it's uh, overwhelming with the number of features and options, but I was flying the one I'm reviewing yesterday, and I heard a little beep while I was flying, so I looked down at the screen, and there's so many different numbers, and I'm like, I don't know what it's for, so I hope it's not important. <laughs> and apparently it wasn't. I think uh, every time it refocuses on something, it, it does that, but anyway, it's uh, there's a pretty steep learning curve at the beginning to get your head wrapped around all of it, and then after that, it's very manageable. Lee, you want to talk about the Super Bowl, buddy? My, Did you read the article? No. <laughs> you don't want your opinion tainted with facts. <laughs> Isn't that how all the media is these days? <laughs> all our Facebook posts and political rants? Uh, well, first off, it is true that the drones footage was not filmed that day, correct? Correct. All right. So the little doubting person in me says, I think some of that was edited. It did not, it didn't look right. In fact, there was one part where it looked like a drone was way off and it just started flying towards center. I just kind of wonder how it didn't hit anything else. If you watch, if you, I don't know if you can rewatch the whole thing. So I just wondered if some of that was edited. And I think you the the one video I did see was such, looked like such a marketing ad. It didn't actually show me substance of the actual drones flying. So again, didn't look at enough media. But I I, I wasn't impressed. I, it didn't didn't do anything for me. So there's that. Well, for me, I was more interested in the technical aspects of it. And a couple of things that pulled out of the article was that uh, they had somewhat on the order of 300 drones in formation that could make up to 4 billion color combinations with LEDs. And they also, they all communicated with a central computer, but they didn't talk to each other. Uh, I was kind of surprised about that, but I guess it was easier for them. And that the the central computer was smart enough that if one uh, drone went wayward, it could compensate for that by repositioning ones nearby. And then it monitored battery levels and all kinds of stuff. So I think... uh, Technically speaking, it was really interesting to see, at least get a glimpse of how all that was organized. And the article you're talking about is the one in Wired? Uh, Yes. Yes. Yeah, I'm still kind of on the fence about it. I thought it was neat, but at least with that display, I'm not sure that it's um, indicative of uh, it becoming a thing. Well, uh, I was told that Disney is planning to do stuff like this on a big scale, even larger scale than what we saw at the Super Bowl. And so th- that would be really interesting to see what they, where they go with all this and that they're planning to really use drones in a, in a lot of capacity, I guess, in their theme parks and, and really push the limits. Uh, so that's whether or not it's a big thing or not, I, I can't say. But it, if Disney's getting into it, it's, it's at least going to be impressive whatever they can do with it. Well, yeah, I don't question that. That there's people who could take what we have now and make something impressive out of it. But I, I wonder if there's any far-reaching applications for it. You mean like beyond the big guys with huge checkbooks, like oh, oh, Disney yeah. or you know, the Super Bowl? You know, is it going to be a halftime show at the high school football game in a few years? Uh, I doubt it. Yeah. So I'm just not sure what the the long-term you know, implication is. Uh, well, we'll see, I guess. Uh, I, I, that's the unanswerable question at this point. And even if you forget the light aspects, what can you do with drones in formation like that? And I'm not saying there aren't applications. I It's just not apparent well, to me yet. You, you saw the military is experimenting with that, dropping drones, out, little tiny ones out of aircraft to do something malicious. Or, well, sure. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I'm sure there's a lot of uh, eggheads thinking about what they can do with massive drones in formation. Uh, uh, so humans are usually not short of imagination in these kind of things. Yeah, especially when it comes with, uh, or when it's down to coming up with ways to kill each other. <laughs> yes. We're good at that. We're always very imaginative in finding new and inventive ways of killing each other. So I was curious if you were going to reference the fact that did you watch the actual Intel ad about the drones? 
No. You know, it's kind of a little marketing thing for them. And all those people catching the drones. I was waiting for Terry to talk about that. <laughs> you didn't see that? No. <laughs> yeah, their little marketing commercial shows all these guys catching them. <laughs> uh, I think the lights are on the bottom, right? So maybe they're not supposed to land on those. But whatever. They're not printing an article in a magazine advising that because landing is hard. <laughs> All right, so Lee, when my kids argue, uh, I usually make them say a nice thing to each other or about each other <laughs> when it's over. So, Lee, say one nice thing about multi rotors. Wow. Um, yeah, all right, people like it. It keeps the hobby, and, and obviously FPV racing is cool. For me, uh, I do have fun with my kids flying them, but... I, There's no but. I, I have fun flying my three little quadcopters with my kids outside. Thank you. Don't you feel better? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, before Lee changes mind, I think we're done with this episode. <laughs> Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs> Until next time, <laughs> we'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Please visit our website at rcroundtable.com where you can send us comments and suggestions and listen to our other great podcasts. Those who live in Las Vegas can listen to us over the radio at the all-new Magic 97.9 FM, KIOF LP Las Vegas.